Welcome to the first episode of the Untitled SEO Podcast by YesEO. Now for this episode, I interviewed a really interesting person I know called Norman. And this podcast didn't quite go in the direction I thought it would. I'm not going to say much more than that. I'll tell you what, I'm just going to shut my app and let you listen. Hello Norman, thank you for joining me today. Now, the reason I wanted to speak to you on this podcast is that in my world, the world of SEO, which is search engine optimization, um, which I'll explain in just a moment, there's a lot of people worried about AI, artificial intelligence. So I'd like your perspective, and I'll explain why in just a moment. So first of all, search engine optimization is a matter of making sure people get found when Google is representing them. So that, that's a funny way of putting it. If you sit down and search for the theatre tickets or something, for example, it's my job with SEO to make sure my clients get found first. Now, Google figures that out by looking at the quality of your website and trying to judge how authoritative you are. So, you know, Gosh. some some chap operating from a back bedroom with a theatre he's made out of a cardboard box is going to struggle to sell tickets compared to the London Palladium, for example. So a lot of what Google does is try and assess how much authority you have. So one of the ways that, that we work is by creating really good content and helping our clients make it as clear as possible to Google that they are very authoritative. authoritative. Now, one of the ways that that's happening at the moment is people are using artificial intelligence, AI, to create lots of articles and lots of web pages to try and inflate the, their importance. And there's a lot of argument at the moment of people saying, well, this is no good. Machines are taking place of the human. They are taking away the creativity. They're, they're, they're taking away the opportunity to express yourself. And some people think it's dishonest to use AI. So the reason I wanted to speak to you is that I know that in the 1950s, you started working at Boeing in Seattle. Yes. And part of your role at Boeing was to bring computer-assisted design into, into Boeing. Absolutely, yes. Okay, so first of all, could you just tell us a little bit about how that came about, how you ended up in Seattle? <laughs> Yes, right. Oh, it's a long time ago. <laughs> Forgive me if I stumble a bit. But um, okay, w what was I doing over in Seattle? Uh, I w I have to take a step back here. I'm awfully sorry. We can you can always cut it out. But um, when when I when when I f when I arrived at Cambridge, okay, I made the discovery. Uh, that uh, someone or other, his name later, had built a computer. Now, I already knew what a computer was because uh, before the war, uh, I had heard on the radio, uh, 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 in those days, there was always a, uh, a play on Saturday night called Saturday Night Theatre. Uh, and so, and I used to li listen to it, and my father, we used to sit there and we used to chat about it and so forth. And th so this was at the end of 19, uh, well, uh, the end of 1939, and uh, the the name of the the name of the um, if I can go into a slight detail here, the name of the uh, play uh, it was written by a Czechoslovak who has a funny name, and and uh, I recognise it when I see it, but I can't, I don't have it in front so, of me uh, right now. Asimov. I don't think so. Okay, it's it, 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 something like that. Okay. Anyway, and uh, the the, uh, the 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 title of the play was R U R. Uh, oh, R U R. Not A R E Y O U, but the letter R U. Rossum's Universal Robots. Uh -huh. That's where the word robot came from, uh, and this was uh, in 1939. 
and uh, the whole idea about it was that, that ro robots, which became computers, uh, were going to um, uh, take over. And so I said to my father, well, how, how you know, we've got to do something to stop this. What are we going to do? And he said, just pull the plugs out. And I thought, oh, he was, my father was brighter than I realised. <laughs> all you got to do is you go around and pull the plugs out of all, all the robots. And uh, so I, I was, uh, at a very early age, uh, waiting for computers to happen. And, and I didn't know that anything had happened until 1953. But uh, then I discovered that there was indeed a, 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 a computer, and I think you're probably sitting on it right there. But uh, I'll, I'll find it later on. And it was made by uh, uh, the uh, professor of it was a sort of professor of computing at Cambridge, even though it wasn't a subject, and no one around knew what what it was all about. But I did, you see, and I started telling everybody, okay, the not knowing anything really, the robots, uh, uh, computers are the thing of the future. But those who were taking medicine wanted to stick to medicine, became doctors, and have now all now retired. And it was the same with engineers, one sort and another. So uh, it was a very lonely life, knowing anything about or being confronted with anything about c computers in that time. By which time, now, I've forgotten what the question was. Oh, how did I get to Seattle? Yeah. Yes. And so when, when I when I finished at Cambridge, they wanted me to carry on and do a PhD. I said, no, 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 no. I, I've got I, I've, I've got to work. I've got to do things. Uh, I'm fed up with studying. And uh, so, but I discovered, uh, so I sort of stood up and said, tell me where your computers are. Because I've been now, my profession then was computer programmer and had been ever since. And I wanted, uh, I needed to find a, a company that had computers, and there were, and there weren't any. But uh, there, there was one, uh, not a company, but an organisation, in Canada, in uh, in Vancouver. It was the, it was the, um, uh, uh, the University of British Columbia. British Columbia is the most westerly part of Canada, as I'm sure you know. And uh, so I wrote to them and I said, uh, you know, I hear you've got a computer. I, I know all about computers. N not that I'm a hardware man. I'm only a software. I know how to program them. Uh, but not, not how to, and I know, I know, I understand the design of them, but I couldn't translate that into, into hardware. So, uh, uh, you know, if you've got a computer and, and uh, it, it has a, a, a language of some sort, then... Uh, then I'd like to come and and uh, and uh, and work for you. So they they said yes, come on over. So there was nobody else from any university anywhere on this planet who had a, a, a sort of degree. I've got a, a postgraduate degree in in computer programming. A uh, weird weird thing when I it was <clears throat> so natural at the time. So I went to Vancouver and. Um, uh, started setting up their computing department. Uh, I was teaching uh, something called numerical analysis, which is that that uh, department of, of mathematics that, uh, that you need to know about to, 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 uh, to uh, write programs. And um, so, so I got on pretty well at, at the University of British Columbia. But... Um, it, it didn't seem to have much future, you know. It was it was really not accepted. It was it existed, but was not accepted uh, generally by the uh, by the academic staff there. But um, a couple of Americans came up from a place called Seattle, uh, and uh, they uh, they were looking. They were they had to set up a. Uh, a, a, a computer conference. I'm going into detail here, but no, please do, please cut, do. Cut it all out. They were setting up a computer f conference, and they heard that there was this weird Englishman uh, living up. See, Seattle and, and Vancouver are, are very close together. You hardly know one from the other. Um, 
So they came up on the train to uh, to to Vancouver and came over and uh, and saw us. And uh, they said to me, you know, could you give a talk about uh, British versus American or American versus British computers? And I said, sure. I didn't know anything about either. I just didn't know there were any English computers other than, than the one we had at Cambridge. And um, so uh, I said, so they said, well, you come down to Seattle. This is answers your question. I came down to Seattle because I was invited down there to give a talk. And it was a three-day computer conference, and I'd never been to a computer conference before, uh, anywhere, of course. And um, so I, I, they said, right, you're going on last at three days. We're going to let other people speak for three days, insurance companies and engineering companies, manufacturing companies and so forth. But your talk is so different from all the others that we're going to put you on uh, all by yourself right at the very end. And uh, so have yourself ready for that. And I didn't really think, that, I didn't realise that they were, they were giving me the, the uh, whatever it's called. And uh, uh, so, so I sat there, I sat through this for three, three full days and right at the end, uh, you know, people were nodding off. There was a, a, a famous author, author of a, a mathematics uh, textbook. He was he slept right through the entire thing, <laughs> and uh, and I felt so sorry for him because it was a really boring show, the whole thing. And I thought, you know, somehow I've, I've, I'm going on last, and, and I'll be the only one that anyone remembers. So it better be good. And I'd never made a speech before. It was my first speech ever. It was the first of many, but I didn't know that then. And, and so I made, made a speech. And I, I took two computers and the, and the if I may say, floating point ad time. Uh, the, the, the British one, which is the one we had at Cambridge, was uh, a few microseconds faster uh, to add two numbers together than the uh, the fastest American one, which was called the IBM 704 at the time. The British one was the EDZAC, uh, which is which now is uh, they, they've, got, they've made a, a, a reconstituted EDZAC, and people can see it at the uh, Science uh, um, Museum. So I'm told I haven't been over there to see it. But anyway, so I started talking about these two things and. Uh, and I didn't realise that if you if you make a good speech, people laugh. They don't laugh. I don't know why they do, but they laugh because it's different to all the other speakers who've already been on that day. And and I thought, right, this is great. So I just, just for you know thirty five minutes just made a lot of jokes. I had everyone laughing. I like, what the hell is this? This is, not, this is funny, but it, it, they thought it was. And right at the end, uh, a, a couple of chaps came charging through this man. A couple of hundred people there altogether uh, uh, came charging through and, and grabbed me um, physically and said, hey, would you like to come and work with us? I said, well, who are you? And they said, Boeing. We build aeroplanes. <laughs> oh, I heard about Boeing. And it, and they said, and we've got a computer. In fact, we have two computers. Two, two computers. I said, you got two computers, and I'm. If 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 you go over to England, there are none to speak of, unless the one, except for the one I'm talking about. And uh, I said, I know nothing about aeroplanes. I don't know what wings do. I I understand that wings make aeroplanes fly and uh, so you definitely need wings if you're going to to make aeroplanes. But but, uh, how they do it, uh, I have no idea. So I I don't know what the mathematics of wings look like, but if you can explain that, I could work with you on it, on whatever your problems are. And they said, okay, when would you like to join us? (laughs) You can join us tomorrow if you like. So I said, well, I've, I've, I've already got a, a, a one-off job about scheduling the oil flow uh, from Edmonton, Alberta, uh, which is another part of Canada. It's joined to British Columbia all the way down the, the middle. Uh, 
uh, and uh, I've got to go over there, but uh, it, it shouldn't take me long to program their, their uh, scheduling department. And uh, so when that's finished, I can come to Seattle. I don't know how you get there or where you stay, what you do when you get there, but and I know nothing about airplanes. But if you can explain to me about airplanes, I can probably add a few computer programs to what you're doing. Uh, that's how I got to Seattle. <laughs> okay. So, so I went, went up to Edmonton, Alberta, and uh, fixed the uh, scheduling, and came down and was working at Boeing. So I was working at, and I lived many, many years in Seattle. So when you arrived at Boeing, they, they were proudly telling you about their two computers. What was the first thing, what was the first job? What was your first task? My first, yes, that's a good question. My first job was, was to have a really good look at the wing. They said, well, they didn't use X, Y, Z compo uh, 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 components of points in space. Uh, well, they had, a, uh, uh, X was called the wing buttock line. Um, the Y was called the uh, something station. I can't remember. It was such a long time ago. I don't remember exactly. But anyway, they they told me what uh, their version of the X, Y, Z coordinates of a point are. And they said, look, we've got these basic uh, these basic drawings, hand, they were hand. I have to tell you, I have to break in. Yes, on my very, very, very first day at Boeing, it was a one Monday morning, and uh, they, they took all the, Boeing used to take all new employees on their first day round uh, on a show and tell um, uh, walkie walkie. Uh, and uh, so that we can we can show you really quickly in one in one day what we do and how we do it. And uh, so I w went in with the other first day people, and uh, we went through some. Uh, and, and some of these people I went around there they were they were already uh, they knew about uh, the airframe construction. Uh, business somewhere or other I don't know there were several small ones so these people wanted to get into Boeing which was really the the, the, the best uh, best company in the world to to be working for could be today too uh, it's a marvelous place but anyway, um, uh, we, we came into a room which was absolutely it was it was there was no window there was door no windows no furniture and nothing, and a, a flat, hard floor, it was probably made of concrete or something, and a, 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 a um, an engineer, a, an enormous bloke, how tall he was, I've no idea, but because he's lying on the floor. He was lying on a sheet of paper on the floor, uh, holding in his hand a pencil, and he had a little ruler. Uh, the, and and this uh, he's lying on a sh enormous sheet of paper, making marks, making points in space, uh, in three-dimensional space, but on a two-dimensional sheet of paper, an enormous sheet of paper. Uh, he didn't say a word. Uh, the guide on this walkie-walkies uh, took us in there and said, uh, "Well, th this is an engineer." I didn't know his name. Didn't matter. Uh, and uh, he was probably seven feet tall or something like that. He was a big bloke just lying there making points on bits of paper. And I thought, that's not going to last long. We're going to replace those that way of working. I even had the idea then, didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew, I felt it, my this is my instinct about... I've, I've been led by instinct through with computers all all the years, and it started started really off with this bloke lying on the floor, <laughs> and after about you know ten minutes of looking at him, he didn't say a word to anybody. He was quite used to it on Monday mornings, and no, no one said anything to him. But uh, m my brain suddenly got set, set alight with uh, thought of of uh, how we could how somehow I could do his job uh, more accurately, 
faster and cheaper with a computer than it was doing with, with him and his uh, fellow engineers. And I'm sure had we he and I talked about it, uh, he would have agreed. I'd had to explain to him then what a computer was and so forth. I'm giving you a long version of how I got to Seattle, I think. And so, though, no, this is my first job. And uh, so I showed up for work the next day, and uh, they said, uh, we want you to... Um, we want you to to do figuratively get inside the wing. We want you to get inside the wing, and uh, and and uh, make sure that all the points, the X Y Z components, as I said earlier five minutes ago, they don't call it X Y Z. They wouldn't have known what I was talking about. This wing buttock line, and the wing station, and uh, and, and uh, yes. Anyway, um, uh, we want you to, uh, your job will be to make sure that all the geometry of a wing is as accurate as it could possibly be made. And that's how I learned what aeroplanes were and how they flew and so forth. And it's not least the leading edge. The leading edge uh, of, a, of an aeroplane has to be absolutely on and everything on my, on my day one in, in, in Boeing, everything was made on pen, all the points of, of the space that an aeroplane took up were represented on two-dimensional sheets of paper by a shaky hand input. By shaky hand means any hand at all because all hands shake, they all vibrate. And, uh, and the points that they... The points that they make, uh, although uh, not exactly the points that the aerodynamicist or the aeronautical engineer uh, 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 would have uh, decreed, put it that way, um, that they were close enough, and and it was close enough to it was close enough to win the war. And uh, you know, working at Boeing because I knew all about Boeing airplanes because I was a wartime kid. I was about I don't know when it finished, 15, something like that. So uh, I, I knew what the, uh, the I, I, I knew what the bomber, what the bombers looked like. I made models of bombers, but models you make at, at, uh, at, at home uh, are even less accurate than... Than a shaky hand of a giant man <laughs> laying You've on the got floor. it, you've got it there, <laughs> you've got it there, yes. I, I'm getting a bit verbose. I haven't discussed these things with anybody for, I don't know, 65 years or something like that. The, the, the aspect of it I'm really interested in is that you, you walked in symbolising new technology. Yes. And there was the gentleman laying prostrate on the floor. He was. With shaky hands and pencils. Right. And at some point, I'm guessing either his bosses or you said to him your days of laying on the floor are over we're going to use a computer for this and what i'm really interested in is what kind of reaction you got i'm trying to tie it into how we feel these days about artificial intelligence okay that's a, a really good question that's a brilliant question no one's ever asked me that question before but i can tell you the answer and it's very visible a visible, what, a visible reaction. A visible reaction. Well, he was yes. very big, so he, there's plenty of person to give a reaction there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I didn't go around making a fool of myself, telling him what the future held. I, I thought the, the best thing to do about the future is bring it on. Ah, right. Not tell you about it, but bring it on. And and I didn't know how I was going to do that yet, because to me, in those days. A c computer consisted of a mainframe. A mainframe is a bloody great metal box. Well, your listeners can't see the size of this room, but a metal box would take up the whole of this room, and now it would be a tiny, about the size of a fly's kneecap uh, uh, element in, in, a, in a PC. But in those days, in those days, uh, that was it. So... Um, uh, as time went on, and as as all the all the evolution of computers, of computing, all the evolution of computing took place 
in companies that were building mainframe computers. And the leading one of those in, in terms of not 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 the reverence uh, we had of them but but uh, of the of the the money they were making was uh, uh, was IBM and then there was another one called Univac and there were several others there was Bep Burrows uh, uh was Royal RCA there were half a dozen american companies and uh, there was one in britain called Leo it's uh, uh, an amazing company because it wasn't a technical company it was uh, Joe Lyons Corner Shop now most of your listeners won't won't have heard of Joe Lyons but it, everybody knew about it in in the, back in the 50s right up into the 50s it was uh, in in the first part of the first half of this century Joe Lyons was famous for being the place you went to uh, to cup of tea, uh, get a cup of tea and a cake in the middle of the morning, in the middle of the afternoon, and uh, they, so they, they, uh, they started by copying the the Cambridge computer, and they called it Leo, and that uh, that was Britain's first uh, attempt at having a, a commercial company to not design, because design was made by Cambridge, but uh, construction and paying, because they had money, we didn't. They paid they paid Cambridge University money uh, and bought the, uh, the uh, uh, design of the thing we called the EDSAC uh, and made a, a computer which, which uh, they called Leo One, L-E-O. Just, I'm, I want to make sure I, I'm understanding this because this seems quite wild to me. You're saying that there, there was a, a chain of tea shops? Tea, tea shops? Tea shops, is that what you're saying, with the tea and the cake? Yeah, all over Britain. And they they were one of the founding fathers of British computing? They certainly were. <laughs> I've never And there wasn't that. a single technical person working for Joe Lyons. So that that's somebody at Joe Lyons saying, I think I see the future, and that that must have seemed like quite a gamble. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could find, I could get his name because uh, uh, I got it. I've got background books on on all this stuff that I picked up years later, so uh, so I can actually produce a name. So there is a name. I, I, I'm I'm terribly sorry to him and his grandchildren that I can't remember <laughs> his name. Uh, and uh, uh, Cambridge needed money. Universities always need money. Mm. If you chuck money at them, they'll do marvelous things. And uh, so, this first marvelous in my life, the first marvelous thing was building this EDSAC uh, computer. And around here somewhere, I've got a book with a and, and the fr and the front cover is the EDSAC computer. It's my life with computers. Which, uh, see, we, you're, what a great guest! We ought to get a plug in there because one of your one of your several books. I'll in, I'll include links in the. Uh, we include little notes each time we publish one of these, and I'll include some links to your books in there. Okay, well, what I could do is um, bring you a little pile of, of of books. I know where they are, and uh, we can do that at some stage. Then yeah, no, I'd, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to share share that list with everyone who's listening as well. Yeah, okay. Well, shall I go? I can, I know where they are. I could pick them up right now if you like. Um, let's do it in, do it in a little while. I'm quite yeah, enjoying the Yeah, thread, but the I am in the middle of a story, believe it or yeah, not. Exactly. I'm in the middle of a story. And the story is that that um, the evolution of computing uh, was uh, all about the evolution of computers. Computers being a large metal Box. So led by the hardware very much. That, that's right. It's it's all made, but but um, I I wrote a, an article. I won't name it, but I wrote an article which got published, along with a lot of other stuff, uh, a, a, about things to hang on to computers, and um, let's see, I can't remember the year now, but but uh, the the thing that. Uh, one of these devices was a plotter, an ordinary plotter, 
Uh, and uh, there were two companies in, in America, and I don't suppose there were any in Britain, that actually made plotters. And, they, and they, their customers were mostly sort of um, uh, w weather people. So, sorry to interrupt you, Norman. Just a plotter, is that, in my mind, that's... Um kind of an automated drawing tool, so a large Exactly, flat yes, okay, yes. Okay, yeah, the distance between your hands is exactly it. You know, it's about a, uh, a foot and a half by a foot and a half uh, with a, with a, a um, sorry, this, is, this isn't in, in, in uh, pictorially, but, but uh, it, 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 moved, it moved a pen on paper. So there were, uh, you, you, uh, you wrote your program Okay, let me take a step back. Uh, ah, here's a story. I've just recalled it. We were running out of printers. The, the, the American computer manufacturers felt that they must have larger and faster printers because people were make, doing more and more computing, mostly over in the United States, much more than in Britain, I have to say. Um, and uh, it has to be printed. And uh, so I was constantly having to go to the headquarters of Boeing, which is another part, different part of Seattle. And uh, there's a lot of uh, rivalry between different organizations, as there always are in a large organization. And uh, one of these was uh, between me and the uh, the financial uh, people, uh, and I had to all the time explain what computers were and why we why we needed them and why they cost so much money and all that sort of thing, and um, uh, so uh, and and when you looked at the heaps of paper that were printed every day, you know, you, your mind boggled. What on earth do they do with all these, with all these printed numbers? They were printing thousands and thousands of numbers in places where five years earlier there had been none whatsoever. So I, ha I had a chap called Art Dietrich. I hope he's still alive and, and hears this somehow. He's a Swiss, lives in Seattle. And um, uh, when, it, when, any, when any new idea came up, you know, put it onto old Art, he'll find out what to do about it and so forth. So uh, I said to Arthur, Arthur, go around and ask the engineers what they do with these thousands or millions of data points printed out on sheets of paper. We go, it's, it's I, how you could find a number in hidden yeah, the best place to hide a tree is in a forest, and the best place to hide a number is on a printout. That was that was my feeling at the <laughs> time. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Nothing's changed. No. And uh, he came back in a couple of weeks and said, well, "I tell you, Norman, what what they do, they they they, they plot these. They 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 go through the numbers and they plot them." And I said, well, "Well, why don't we have the computer plot them?" Well. There are no com there are no plotters attached to computers. I said, "Well, let's do it." So we found a couple of plotter makers. One on the top right-hand corner of America, and one in the bottom left-hand corner, and uh, uh, went over and had a chat with them and so forth. And we chose one, and uh, electro uh, uh, electromechanics or something over in Long Branch, New Jersey the top right-hand corner of, of America, and uh, they, they told me how the plotter worked, so I sat down and wrote a program uh, that um, went, so it could go automatically from, a, from, a, from a, a calculation program on the computer to a plotter program. And I called, I gave it the very clever title, this program, Plot One. So the first plotting pro I say the first pl plotting program uh, that was ever made on this planet uh, was one I made uh, some Friday morning uh, or Saturday morning I suppose it was 
for the uh, for, for the plot at, at, at Boeing. And so we, I, uh, uh, we we bought the we bought the program, and the the plotter maker they bought the program. No, he didn't buy the program. I wrote the program. The the plotter maker they bought that program from us so that they could they could sell uh, computer generated plotting uh, to. Uh, hope, hopefully to customers and they got lots so I set up a, a little a little table a little uh, 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 cupboard I suppose it was a, a small uh, office uh, put the plotter in the office I, I hired a chap off the streets of Seattle I can't remember his name or why him but anyway someone needed to, I needed someone to uh, change the sheets of paper and his uh, his role was to uh, first thing in the morning put a sheet of paper on the uh, uh, on the, uh, the, the on, on the glass the glass top of this uh, plotter and uh, press a certain button stand back and this plotter used to plot and after a few weeks uh, the the uh, the, the, the uh, what's called in the um, reputation the reputation of computing took an enormous leap because there in computing we were doing something that had never been done before we 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 were, we got the the uh, computer actually to plot the results of something and it was it was fast and it was accurate and all the rest of it and and uh, after a couple of days of this, I, I, I walked into the uh, into the into the office to see how, how things were going, and there were half a dozen senior engineering managers, and these are guys who during the war had been working day after day, night after night, working drawing lines on uh, with uh, sh shaky hands and so forth, and measuring them and so forth, and building bombers to bomb Germany. And um, uh, and they were amazed. They were just standing there. No one was saying anything. They were just watching a machine do what they had spent a career doing, except that it was laying doing it floor. fast. Sorry. Well, they'd spent a career doing laying on the on the floor. <laughs> the, on the That's right. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Of course, a lot of them must have been. If they were seven feet tall, that's what they were doing. <laughs> and uh, that's a good point to make. But uh, they, uh, I sort of walked through, and I didn't even say uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. I just walked through and stood there watching, uh, not knowing what to say. Afterwards, I realised what to say, uh, you know, to, to re and just reinforce what they were looking at. And they were looking at automatic plotting. And, and it's when you see it the first time, because everyone sees it today, but when you see it the first time, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible experience to see, to see, and then you could make, um, you could, you could make, and I had the idea of of making a, a Mickey Mouse, if you programmed a cartoon a Mickey Mouse, put that in, it would come out plotted, and I, I had the idea of. Uh, of, 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 of customers, it couldn't be our customers because we couldn't go in in uh, in, in uh, into business with uh, with uh, Walt Disney, but the the plotter makers could, and I guess they did. I, I don't know what's happened, but it, there was an enormous breakthrough uh, with computing. Firstly, it it meant that we didn't have to do all that printing. And uh, and uh, finally, at last, I discovered something that was easy to explain to them, uh, because half my life in those early days was explaining to the people with the uh, with the uh, with the company's money what computers were doing for them. And okay, uh, you didn't have to use the word computer; you could just say automatic plotter or something, and they knew what you were talking about. And uh, this is something I, uh, it, it, it just happened. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't predict. So were you as surprised as anybody else at, at how much that changed Boeing? 
I mean, how 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 long did it take for the change to really? It, it sort of changed overnight. Overnight. Yeah, because Boeing, uh, like uh, uh, Ford, uh, motor car company, they sp spend an enormous amount of time that people aren't aware of, I suppose, in uh, in their um, design office. With shaky uh, pencils. And with shaky pencils, and then and then my next step was. Uh, Okay, if we can if we can draw it, we could cut it. We need a, an automatic cutting machine, and and that we got. So nowadays, that that would be called CNC, or that. that uh, I, I call it CAD, computer aided design. Oh, okay. And so CAM, yeah, computer aided manufacturing. I've written it. I wrote it all up uh, years and years ago, but I didn't call it computer aided design. I called it design automation. Mm -hmm. And uh, somewhere in this house, there's a bent copy of the of, of this uh, so paper. It, it's it's the automation. Um, I, sorry, I keep remembering that this is meant to be a, a, a sort of a, a computer and science based podcast. I've just been listening to your story, but the automation aspect of it I find really interesting. Was there sort of a kickback from from anyone? Did you? What I'm trying to place this with in my mind and i apologize if i'm miles off is the luddites with the mills you know when the mills started to automate processes there, there was a, a, a fairly significant kickback against that from people who didn't like yes, the march well, of progress did, yeah, you, did well, you experience that at, at boeing no we, we didn't have luddites at <laughs> boeing we didn't have luddites so everyone was was on board it, everyone was on board once they saw this there was nothing to say, <laughs> you know. You know, we'll buy a dozen of them right away, boy. <laughs> and uh, and that and that stuff. It was a an un unacknowledged revolution, I suppose. Unacknowledged revolution. So I I've been I've been you might have seen me picking my phone up. I'm making notes as we go along. I'm just going to write down un unacknowledged revolution. Yes, I'd never thought of it before. I'm thinking about these things now in the safety and comfort of my music room brilliant um i'm going to wrap this up about here no doubt we'll we'll speak again i'm, I'm trying to type and speak at the same time and that that's a struggle so th to to summarize you went into boeing or you went to a, a canada in america with some in search of computers and ended up I dare say, being one of the first people to connect a computer to a printer. I'm going to call it a printer. I know it was a plotter, but oh no, but you, you, you don't call it a don't call a plotter a a, a printer. Um, See now, I'm being a, a not a luddite, but <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, printers were in, printers became enormous things, and to see thousands of numbers being printed per minute or per second on on a printer in those days. I suppose there's very little printing going on. It's it's, uh, it's it, the computer controlling movements of things in doc in in hospitals. Yeah, I think printers now, I guess, are the final output. Yes. Rather than when when you're talking about computers, if I understand it correctly, they were a part of the calculation. That's right. Yeah, so yes. I think that that's that's the big change. I hadn't thought of it that way before, but but, but uh, that, that, that that's that's the, the the case. Well, the I've got to be honest. The the conversation that I was expecting to have, although Norman, uh, for the listeners, Norman and I have known each other a little while, a few years, and I can never quite predict which direction a conversation with you will go. And I was expecting this to be a conversation about. You uh, people being people who might resist technology being overcome in the end. But what was quite quite brilliant about this story is that when people saw the technology, there was no battle. It was there just was no a, discussion. They just stood there. These are, are guys who are always talking and sh shouting and sh you know, building airplanes. It's a highly verbal thing. They they scream and shout and swear. And, <laughs> I mean, I'd been, I'd been, I'd done my national service. I knew how to swear, but it didn't come <laughs> as a surprise to me when I found myself, you know, back amongst my erstwhile uh, swearers. 
But um, uh, uh, what was I saying? Um, I can't remember. So they, it, was, it was just accepted. It was it just, yes, it wow. got accepted. Just because once it, if it's all happening inside an enormous box, and all it's doing is printing lines and lines and lines and lines of paper, you know, well, what the hell? But once once it started emulating them, mm. moving the pen around, drawing things, it, it suddenly came over and they saw it and they and they didn't discuss it. It was so. You know, what happened to to those people? Because obviously their days of laying on the floor with pencils is over. <laughs> That's right. But surely they they assume they didn't all just become, you know no longer I assume they, they, they didn't just wander out of the front door of Boeing that day and go off and become you know find other other paths other other jobs did they what, what happened to those people after they not not so much saw the writing on the wall but saw the the pen on the plotter yeah well that's right they uh, they were engineers of course mm. these guys were engineers I think we're being visited, but that doesn't matter. He comes in every day to pick up the newspaper. Okay. Um, the um, uh, they are engineers, and 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 uh, uh, an engine, and the uh, 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 the the goal of an engineer, in in the case of Boeing, was to get an aeroplane up. Morning. Hi, Derek. We're having a discussion here. Yeah, I've put the papers out for you. You have them, thank you. Yeah, okay. You see that Chelsea uh, lost? Did they? What What was the score? Well, that, that, that was 2-1, but the, what was wrong was they just paid $5 million for a new player to boost their confidence, and he was sent off. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it tomorrow, Derek. Yeah, okay. Okay, bye. Yeah, you just wander around the house and look at anything you like. Yes. Uh, just yes. So these people, um, engineers. Yes. And I'm wondering if, when they saw not so much the writing on the wall, but the the pen on the plotter, whether they thought, great, we can now elevate our our work onto more thoughtful things because they some of the manual. That's a good way to put it. Used. Yes. I'm just guessing. Because they are the ob the ultimate object was uh, early on, before the war, was a Spitfire flying, and then it became a, a, a B-17 flying and so, so forth. And how they got there is kind of lost in the, in the actually seeing, seeing the thing in operation. It must have felt the same in the 19th century with locomotives and all the rest of it, because they had the same problems and <laughs> they had no computers. Uh, so, um, so, so the object of the exercise was to get the uh, uh, is to is to get the uh, the plane flying, in the case of, of Boeing, and uh, there there wasn't much discussion by that time with the, with the computer and so forth. There wasn't much discussion about how it how it happened because that was all it it, it went overnight from being a a, 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 a a crazy idea to being this is how we do it and uh, uh, and and so that these en engineers were uh, be, be, because the quality I hadn't thought about this but but because the quality of the work got such an enormous improvement the accuracy of the lines and the speed of the lines uh, yes, on the on the seven twenty seven, the seven twenty seven. I'll show you a picture of the seven twenty seven in the book. It's a, uh, uh, a, a, um, a an airplane with three engines at the back. You've probably never seen one because they didn't make many of them. But it was, that was the breakthrough, uh, and and so the the team that we had uh, in in designing. In writing the, uh, thinking of the mathematics, writing the programming and so forth, for drawing and cutting, and assembling, the uh, the seven twenty seven. That that was the leading thing. That was the first thing ever made by a computer, 
and it was made right outside my room and it was an incredible feeling at the time and it still is and uh, but if people haven't gone through it they, they probably don't realize what, what it meant it meant a lot um so yes so these engineers as as the uh, as the equipment c came along the engineers who they couldn't program we don't want them to program. Don't bug about out. Well, we know how to. You just tell us. Just speak it. Just speak it, and I'll design it, and then the machine will make it. You know. Uh, that's, uh, and I think that you it, taking a step backwards here. When we were children at school, we learned about the industrial revolution. And of course, the computer was a uh, was uh, I, I call it a, uh, a, a I call it a digital revolution or something like that. But it was certainly a, an industrial and social revolution. Mm. Um, and uh, has been just absorbed by people. You know, computers are here to stay. Plotters are here to stay, even though that no one's outside a, of of a factory actually sees a plotter working. Uh, the people that that really uh, that really count here, they know exactly what what it does, and and if something goes wrong with the machine, uh, they give you holy hell. And if you if they don't get the money to buy some crazy idea that uh, is going to work like a previous crazy ideas worked, um, uh, you know you're going to hear full of horrible English <laughs> brilliant okay Norman Norm, it's been absolutely fascinating speaking to you I really appreciate your time and uh, yeah, so I'll include some links to your book in the show notes for this and just thank you very much for joining us oh great pleasure I, uh, it's, it, we need more people like you to ask us questions and, and then turn the answers into sayable things if I can do that then yeah. I, I will consider I'll consider my, my life well spent. That's right. You do that and get a good a good career and write about them and all the rest of it. Thank you very much.